Man, we are truly blessed to have people that care about the next generation of Jesus followers in our midst. And so, um, hey, I want to just let you know it's good to be with you um, this evening and this weekend. If you're joining us, as Darren said, from home, we are glad you're here. As we've been saying, you're a part of this family. We love you. It's just as though you were seated right here with us. And we just believe that God has something he wants to speak to our hearts and he wants to do in our hearts even right now as we're together here in this room or throughout the distance. So um, it is a privilege to be with you today. Um, I want to um, begin just by reading uh, four names um, today. George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery. I don't know what those names mean to you. I hope they're meaningful. But um, I think I'm pretty safe in saying you'd have to live under a rock not to have heard perhaps at least one of them or not to have noticed what's going on in our nation in the last few uh, days, weeks, obviously not to mention months and years, of course. But... Um, we felt it was important enough as a teaching team to respond to what's going on around us. You know, there's a balance, right? Sometimes the church needs to be like slow and steady and just, you know, stay the course and do what we do. But sometimes there's a moment when it's right, when the Holy Spirit says, hey, speak to this. Hey, press pause. I have something I want to say to my people in the midst of this. And we believed as a teaching team that uh, now is one of those times. And uh, so I'm just humbled to be able to be with you here. I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that every one of you here, those of you watching from home or watching at any point in time, you're doing so because you've chosen to place yourself under the influence of God's word. You've made a decision that you wanna know what God thinks and what God says and what God wants. And you know what? That's the best starting point. That's the only starting point, I believe, for healing in our nation. And so um, <clears throat> as we look around us and we see I mean, what do we see? We see anger. We see frustration. We see hopelessness. We see destruction. We see bitterness. We see rage. We see uh, uh, despair. We see sadness. We see grief. All of it, right? In some form or fashion, all of us have probably experienced one or more of those emotions in the last few days. And um, I believe that God has something very, very, very important he wants to speak to us right now about how we can bring healing to this, how we can be agents of healing in our country right now. And maybe you're sitting here or sitting at home and you're saying, and if I could get the clock on, please. Very important. Uh, maybe you're sitting at home and uh, you're saying, I don't, whoa, time out, agent of healing. I'm trying to figure out where Jesus is right now. I, I feel lost. I feel confused. I'm trying to figure out, where is Jesus in the middle of this? Where is he in the middle of this pain? What's going on? I believe that God wants to tell us exactly where he is so that we can find him and join him. And you know what? The first place that I believe God wants us to look for him is found in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 14. It says these words, I am the good shepherd. Jesus was speaking. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock, say one flock, 
and one shepherd. Say one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. You know what? The first thing that Jesus wants us to know about him so we can find him in the middle of all of this mess is that he's a shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, guess what? It's good news for you and me. You know why? Because he knows exactly where we are. I'm telling you what, if there's ever been a situation where there's 360 degrees of, 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 of people looking at something from all kinds of different angles, from all kinds of different places, feeling all kinds of different emotions, it's right now. I forgot to mention earlier, what about indifference? That might be something that we're experiencing, right? Like, whoa, there's some stuff going on somewhere else in some other part of the country that affects some other kind of people. Is that something that maybe some of us have felt at some point? Here's the good news. Jesus is our good shepherd. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we're feeling. He knows exactly what we're thinking. And he's able to call us by name. He's the shepherd that knows each of us by name. He knows exactly how to connect with our heart. And he's calling us. Hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Come follow me. I love you. I love you. You're my sheep. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're young or old, Asian, Latino, what, whatever, social demographic, economic income bracket. I love you. Here I am. Come, walk this way. Come, come towards me. And he's calling us to go to him. So that's good news, isn't it? Somebody should like take a big, deep breath right now. Like, <sighs> he's our shepherd. He knows where we are. He knows how to speak to us by name. And he loves us. So just rest in that for a minute. No matter where you are, no matter what the color of your skin, know that he's our shepherd. What's another part of this that he wants us to know? As a shepherd, he wants us to know what's found in Matthew chapter 18 as well. He says these words, beginning in verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And when he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 who did not wander off. He wants us to know something about himself. He's a shepherd. And I don't, I've never been a shepherd. I mean, I don't know how all that works. But I have a feeling that a shepherd has like this instinctive response when he hears the bleating of a sheep who's in trouble. And I don't think he has to stop and read his little booklet. Okay, good shepherding 101, what do I do? I think there's something that goes on in the heart and the soul, in the very entrails of a shepherd who loves his sheep, that when a sheep is crying and in trouble and at risk, he doesn't even think what he's doing or she's doing, he runs. And that is Jesus. That is our Jesus right now. Somebody, I'm sure you've seen it, the meme that explains it this way. It says these words, well, wrong picture, sorry. Be patient with me. It says these words, Jesus in Luke 15, which is the same story as Matthew 18, a hundred sheep, but one goes missing. Jesus leaves the 99, goes after the one, the 99, quote, but what about us? Don't we matter? You could put in, don't our lives matter? Of course the 99 still matter, but they're not the ones in danger. The one is. Guys, we gotta get something about our shepherd if we're gonna be able to find Jesus and join him, is that our Jesus doesn't walk, he runs when a sheep is in trouble. When a sheep is feeling forsaken, when a sheep is feeling abandoned, when a sheep is feeling treated unjustly, when a sheep is treated, uh, feeling abused or neglected, our shepherd runs. And guess what? He does that for us too. <laughs> That's good news, guys. Because sometimes we're that sheep. Have you, have you had Jesus come after you over, over in some issue of your life? 
Has he rescued you? Has he broken addiction? Has he restored your marriage? Has he, has he broken through in your finances when you needed it? Has he, has he healed a relationship or healed your broken body? I'm thankful that Jesus came after me. Are you? Amen. And I'm thankful that he comes after me. It's not just one time. He, that's who he is. He comes after us when we're in trouble. But right now there's a segment of our population, 13% of this country, that is particularly letting us know, it's not that this came about overnight, but, but, but they're letting us know again after a hundred times, we're hurting, we feel neglected, we feel looked down upon, we feel we don't have a voice with, with the legal system, whatever it might be. And here's what I'm telling you guys, here's what my first reaction was, what I've seen online, what I know a lot of good, good people, is the first thing is let's go to statistics, let's go to knowledge, let's go to our beliefs, Let's go to our political convictions. Hey, I got political convictions. Y'all know that about me. I will sit here and debate you all day long, up one side, down the other. But here's what I'm seeing in Jesus, our shepherd, that you know what? You know what Jesus did in Philippians chapter two? It speaks of it as well. He left all of his opinions and all of the wrongness of our way of thinking, and he ran. There's a time when the shepherd just leaves it all on the hills and runs after the sheep. And that's what I believe Jesus is saying he's doing right now over the broken. And that's what he's inviting us to do. So if we're wanting to know where's Jesus in the middle of this, well, I'm, I'm confused, I'm lost. Hey, guess what? He's a shepherd. Is he running after the one? Maybe we can join him and be with him and see something we've never seen before in terms of healing in our own hearts and in our nation. Let me ask you this, do we have to agree on the solution in order to come alongside in the suffering? Do we have to agree on the solution in order to come alongside in the suffering? I don't think we do. And so much of what's out there right now is solutions. Oh, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, we gotta do this, we gotta, they have to acknowledge this, we have to acknowledge that. Guess what? That's not what's first, guys. Solutions and God's wisdom is a part of it, but I don't believe that's the first thing. I believe God is saying love and compassion is the first thing. Do you know what a, what a reflex is? A reflex is when pain touches a part of your body and, and it gets to the, to the central nervous system. It doesn't even have to send the signal all the way to the brain. Hey, there's some heat on my ankle and it feels like it could be fire. And then the brain go, hey, you better move that ankle out of the fire and then you move it. A reflex is that sensation reaches the spinal cord and pew, right back out. It, it changes it. It does something without even reaching the brain. I think God is saying to his people that he wants us to be so full of love that some things are just a reflex. We don't have to stop and think about it. We don't have to debate it. We don't have to go, wait a second, what's my politician saying? Or what is this? Or what is that? We see somebody hurting. We see a sheep that fell into a pit that feels broken and we start running after them. That's where Jesus is at, guys. That's where he's at. And if we just join him, he said, yes, come with me. I love you. Come join me. This is awesome. If you want to know what fun is, man, help rescue a sheep with me. There's no feeling like that in the world. That's our shepherd, guys. And he's the shepherd that comes after us. So we better be thankful because we need him just as much. It might be in a different way, but we all need our shepherd. I want to tell you this. God is not colorblind. I know there's a lot of memes and thoughts on that one as well, but I believe he's not. Here's why. I think he created color and diversity and he loves it. 
He created variety just as much as the fish of the sea or the birds or the, and all the different creation is so beautiful and so different and all of that. I believe that God made men and women so different and so beautiful that he loves that. He doesn't want us to be blind to it. And part of loving someone is taking the time to know their backstory. I said, part of loving someone is taking the time to understand where they're coming from, their story, that includes their color, and that includes the history of their people in our nation. And that's part of God's love. And that's part of appreciating the colors that are part of the kingdom of God and part of, of his flock. And I pray that he helps us do it. I'm telling you what, guys, I don't have time right now to talk about it. But if you want to know how your color, how your identity can bring healing in the life of another, there's this fancy, fancy term called identificational repentance. But what it means, a guy named John Dawson did a lot of study on it and put it in practice in the 80s. But what it basically means is, hey, if my identity is a male or my identity is a white person or my identity is a country bumpkin or my identity is a, you know, somebody who speaks Spanish or my identity is, if that can in some way be used as a mouthpiece to someone who's been hurt by somebody in that people group, then you better believe I'm running, man. I don't care, I'll get on my knees. I will, I will lick the ground in front of somebody if that's gonna bring healing in their heart. Now I get it, the solution's a lot more complex. There's a lot of pieces, you know, legislative pieces, Bob, I get it. There's, there's all kinds of layers to this. But it can start with love. It can start with going after the one. It can start with recognizing, God, what can I do? I wasn't gonna mention this, but this morning, or no, yesterday morning, garbage day in our neighborhood. And wouldn't you know it, one of our garbage guys is black. And I'm just, I'll admit, I'm on the prowl right now. I'm on the prowl. I'm, I'm looking for every single opportunity to speak a word of healing. Again, I know it doesn't fix everything, doesn't change the past, but any opportunity I've got. So I went up to him and I couldn't even get the words out. I just said, I started pointing at him and he could tell I was breaking and he just gave me a big hug. And then I was able to just utter whatever, just some simple, hey, I'm sorry and I, we love you and we honor you and whatever. I want to be a part of the, the healing and, and dude, he gave me a big hug and said, thank you so much. And it was just, guys, it's, again, it seems so simple and so stupid and, and whatever, I, I get it. It's way bigger than that, but maybe that's just a little teeny beginning, right? If we just say, God, how can I be, how can I speak one word or look, give one glance or of hope, of humility, of honor? You know what? God doesn't have to dishonor one child to honor another one. Isn't that awesome? It's not about, you know, this. God's scale goes, whoop. I don't know how he does, like a special. <laughs> it's broken. No, <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> God's not, you know, he's not condemning one to bring the other. Man, he's able to lift all of his kids. He's an honor machine. And I think the closer we get to him, the more we understand his shepherd's heart, the more we just, man, we just want to give honor. Because honor just heals a broken heart. Man, wounds that take generations and have been built over hundreds of years. The beginning of healing can be through one word of honor. T.D. Jake said this, you cannot understand America without understanding slavery and the deep effect that it left on the way two people see America. So I think if that's something foreign to us, and maybe God's saying, hey, read about it, learn about it, talk to somebody, listen to them, expand, right? Open our hearts, expose ourselves to it. He'll meet us there. All right, enough about that. What about this? Jesus is not just a shepherd who goes after the one. He is also a king. 
Jesus is the king, the king of glory. And this king is building a kingdom. And his kingdom, he is passionate for justice in his kingdom. Listen to the words of Isaiah 61. When he says these words, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is Isaiah, but prophesying the very same scripture Jesus read in the, the, uh, the synagogue in Capernaum uh, or Nazareth, forgive me, in Luke chapter four. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Come on at home, you can read it out loud as well. To proclaim freedom for the and release from darkness for the to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. Wow, if there's nothing going wrong, there's nothing to avenge. God is saying, I'm watching. I'm keeping track of what's going on. To comfort all who, all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Have we seen any grieving, any mourning going on around us? I'm telling you what, we serve a king that cares. We serve a king who cares about justice and about righteousness. He said to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Our Jesus deeply cares about, defends, and establishes justice in his kingdom. Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I'm telling you what, Jesus had thought of those words long before he did. Listen to the words of Proverbs 31, verses eight and nine. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. You know, a lot of us don't even really think about justice much. If you're like me, you don't have to raise your hand, but I truly hardly ever think about it. The one time that I really thought about it, Dan can witness to this, was a time when I was charged $17 for a little thumbtack kind of a thing that went on the seatbelt of our Mercury minivan to keep the seatbelt thing from sliding down into where it gets stuck in the door. And it was $17. The dealer, don't tell them. They think I'm a perfect pastor, Dan, don't ruin this. I was furious. I, I, was, I was calling my state representatives and senators. I, I was like, this is highway robbery. You can't do this to us. $17 for a little piece of plastic that came probably from China in a barrel for like $10 for like 10,000 of them. But here's the crazy thing, right? We don't think much about injustice until it happens to us. We don't even think about justice until we're the victims of injustice, right? Am I right? So a lot of us, man, praise God, we don't have to think about it very much. It's kind of like a sound guy in a church. Nobody thinks about him. Amen, Joe, where are you at? Until something goes wrong. And then everybody's looking over that direction. Am I right? <laughs> but God is saying, guys, I don't want you to be oblivious to justice just because you're not being the victim of injustice. Another way to get passionate about it is if someone we know is the victim of it. But there's a third way. And that third way is being in love with and serving a king who deeply cares about justice. Our king cares about justice. And if you read the Bible, I just read you Proverbs, read the, the, even the Old Testament, the minor prophets, they're filled 
with God telling his people, guys, stop cheating one another. Don't use differing weights and measures. Guys, set the captives free. Guys, stop oppressing one another. Guys, justice, righteousness, mercy is greater than sacrifice. It's all over the Bible. Listen, when God's people forgot how important justice was to God, listen to the words of Amos chapter 5, 21 through 24. What um, I hate, I despise. Hear the heart of God. Don't get stuck on the words. Hear the heart of God. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Even though you bring choice fellowship offerings, the best kind, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. God's saying, I don't want to hear anything unless I see justice. But listen how he finishes it. But let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. Let justice roll on like a river. I wish I could say it like Dr. King said it. But I'm telling you what, that's the heart of God. Let justice roll on. Let righteousness be like a never failing stream. Man, if we'll join Jesus in his king, kingdom of justice, I'm telling you what, his ears are open to us. I'm telling you what, he comes running when we bring a sacrifice. I'm telling you what, when we sing our songs, he's like, yes, I'm right there. Yes, my child. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. I rejoice with you. Woo! Let's party. Let's sing. Let's dance. Why? Because you also care about the things that I care about. I'm a just king and I care about justice. God's inviting us to join him, guys. There's two sides of the coin, right? How do people experience the best of God's kingdom? How do people experience life, blessing, prosperity, freedom, and joy? I think there's two parts to it. One part is st structures that are righteous, right? Systems, laws, um, social dynamics, whatever, that are righteous. And another part is individual choices, right? We're never gonna get away from that, right? Jesus was very, very clear that, that what we do, how we choose to live our lives, if we choose to trust him or not, if we choose to, you know, submit ourselves to his authority or not, that has a huge effect on our lives. But here's the thing, guys. As a pastor, I've noticed I've gotten really good at telling everybody else what their choices should be. I'm getting, I got really good. And I didn't care the race and I didn't care the color. I didn't care the pain. I was like, oh, well, I, let me, this is very clear. Here's how to change your life and turn it around. Blah, blah, you need to change and do these things. Is there some truth to that? Maybe there is. But you know what? If I stop to think about how people on the other side might be hearing that message, when they're seeing my silence and my indifference for injustice, how does that come across? I believe that God is saying, if you wanna be a part of my kingdom, then leave no doubt. Leave no doubt that you fight for structures and systems that are just. Leave no doubt that you care about justice in the land. Leave no doubt that you're fighting for those who don't have a voice, for the oppressed, for the crushed, for the broken, for the lonely. Let, it, let us leave no doubt, church, that anybody can still choose to reject Jesus and his authority, absolutely. God gave us that right to turn our backs, to reject, that's fine. But let there be no doubt that the people of God care about justice for the oppressed, care about righteousness, care about that we serve a king who is Joel, the Lord is just. Joel, the Lord is just. Our king is more just than any other. Guys, let's live our lives to leave no doubt. 
Let's use every connection that we have. And I believe that when we do that, God's gonna lead us, guys. I'm not here to tell you what your next step is. I'm not here to tell you. I don't know, right? It could be, it could be so many different things. And, and we can have a conversation. I can share with you different things. Blah, blah, I'm doing whatever. That might not be what God's leading you to do. But here's the deal. I believe God's gonna meet us. And if we're saying, God, I wanna use every ounce of my energy, every, every word in my mouth, every, every prayer in my heart, everything that I have within me, every, every influence I have to be an agent of righteousness and of justice and of peace and of healing in our land, then I believe God's gonna meet you. He's gonna show you, he's gonna speak to you uniquely in your heart what your part is. And you're gonna hear it and it's gonna bring life. It's not, God doesn't beat us up. God's not about whatever. He's not, that's, he doesn't, he's not into the shame thing. He's gonna say, man, you wanna be a part of healing? Whatever. And guess what? Dude, humbling ourselves is like the funnest thing to do in the world. It's honestly, when the Spirit of God's in you <laughs> and even apologizing to somebody, being like, I'm sorry. Like, dude, there's not like a, oh, I'm a terrible, it's, it's joyful to be, oh my gosh, like, forgive me. Forgive me. I want, I, I am sorry for that, but I want healing and I want blessing for you and I'm committed to doing whatever it takes and whatever God leads. So here's the deal. As we think about what is our biggest influence? What is our biggest connection we have to bring about change? What is it, guys? What's the biggest connection you have? Who's the most important, most powerful person you know? Jesus, our Father. So we're gonna go into a time of prayer because that ultimately is the greatest thing. Listen to what Pastor Dan shared, a very simple statement that says, to act without prayer is presumption. To pray without acting then is disobedience. See, action and prayer go hand in hand. Pastor Kim forwarded an article that talked about we have the privilege of declaring God's purposes. Guys, we've got a connection that the world knows nothing about. We can do all the things in the natural and we probably the Lord will lead us to do many of those things. But guess what? We've got a connection with the Father to cry out for mercy, to cry out for healing. To, to grieve with the brokenhearted, to declare his good purposes, that Jesus would shine forth at this time like never before. And I believe that when we do that, guys, when we do that, these words of Dr. King will be fulfilled. He said this, with this faith, which is praying and believing that God is hearing, with this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. And this will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, Land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. I'm gonna invite Pastor Kim to come forward at this time, and she's going to, uh, oh, we're gonna begin then by, we're gonna have several people that we've asked to lead us in prayer, guys, and we purposely tried to, to condense the rest of the service so that we could make time. Together as a family, you at home, we invite you to join with us as these different people that have been selected for each of our services lead us. Man, don't just you know, go get some a refill of coffee or whatever. Let's, let's get with God. Man, if you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to sit, sit. But whatever it is, but let's, 
Let's press into our Father and cry out to Him to bring healing, to bring revelation to us on what our part is and to truly show himself as the incredible shepherd and king that he is. Janelle, would you please lead us? Jesus, we just, um, we invite you to speak to us right now as we press into you that as different people go into these portions of prayer Maybe it's one simple word or one statement that you'll highlight to someone in this room. But God, like I prayed at the beginning, we ask that you would change our hearts. We need you to change our hearts because the change of our nation and of our world starts right here. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak and to move. Jesus, you see people as precious and valuable. We ask right now that you would give us eyes to see that truth in every person and the conviction to live it. God, open our eyes. If we have wronged someone and racism is at the root of that wrong, lead us in the process of reconciliation. God, open our eyes. Show us our own prejudices so that we can seek repentance God, we repent before you in this moment. If anything, if any situation comes to mind, or even if it doesn't, God, we know that we can live by the power of your Holy Spirit. You partner with us so that we can walk out reconciliation. Show us where to go, who to speak to, who to be the agent of healing to and for. The extension of your heart, your hands, your spirit, Bring healing where there has been hurt. Bring reconciliation where there has been division. Give each and every one of us boldness to go deeper with people who are not like us, who talk about things that we do not know, we have not felt, we have not seen. God, we ask for boldness. Guide us to act in ways that lead to true justice. Reveal to each one the steps that we can take as instruments of your healing in our spheres of influence. God, we thank you that we, every single person in this room touches different lives, that we cover more ground because we cover it together and we want to bring your healing. We want to be connected to you. Forgive us for losing sight of the truth that you created all people in your image. God, by your grace, Help us to see hatred around us, whether it is initiated or returned, as a tool that Satan uses to keep us from experiencing and sharing in the richness of your love. We want to share in the richness of your love with every single person, God, that all would know you. Would they know you through the way that we love them? Help us to grieve over injustice and sit with the brokenhearted. We wanna mourn with those who mourn. God, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Break us, Jesus, because there is nothing good in anything that we've built in ourselves, but God, you will build your kingdom. Help us to love the way that you love and to spread kindness and mercy as Jesus did. 
We want to see the church embodied and celebrated as it is described in Revelation 7, that people from every nation, every tribe, and every language would come together to worship you, Jesus. Would you enrich our lives and give us opportunity by widening our circles of friendship? Would you show us your presence in those who differ the most from us until our knowledge of your love is made perfect in our love for all of your children through Jesus? God, help us to live Galatians 3, that all would be one in your name. In your name alone, we declare the name of Jesus. We declare that people would be one, that there would be unity that comes forth because of the banner of love that is over us. God, would we operate from that place of love and of justice and mercy and unity? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God in all of these areas, and all of these issues, and all of these hardships, God, this is your platform to do your work in us, and for your glory to be on display. And we glorify your name, the name that unites each and every one. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, as I've sat before you this week, and I've noticed how divided we are, I notice how we're reacting to one another during this time. And I've sensed you telling me that we cannot give what we have not received. That the brokenness we see is a symptom of the brokenness inside of us. I judge because I still believe in my heart that God is judging me that somehow I'm not measuring up, that somehow he's comparing me to a perfect standard and I am falling short. You said in your word, Lord, that we must receive your love before we can give it. While you tell us to give it, we cannot give what we do not have. In First John, Lord, you have said, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us all to be his own beloved children. You say, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us so that we can lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You said, that those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour out to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who does not love has yet to know God, for God is love. You loved us before we could love. In 1 John 4.19, it says that our love 
is a grateful response to the love you first demonstrate towards us. If you would join me, would you take out a moment and would you hold out your hands in a receptive gesture right now? Because this isn't about me praying, it's about all of us. And I'm gonna take, it's gonna feel weird, but I'm gonna take a minute of silence. And during this minute of silence, could we ask God to show us where we need to receive his love so that we can love our neighbor no matter what their political views are, their ethnic status, their beliefs, their actions right now? So the Holy Spirit, please empower us. Show us where each of us need to receive your love. We'll just sit in that for a minute of silence. I sense the Lord just saying in this room, he wants to set us free from a spirit of performance. We don't have to perform to earn his love. He's not looking over our shoulders and measuring us. And it may seem to you right now that I'm praying for the wrong people, but I'm not. Because the minute that we become full to his love, like Pastor um, Dan Niesink showed us, when we become full of his love, we overflow. It touches everybody around us. There's raw places where we feel that we failed so bad that he can't forgive us, where we've not forgiven ourselves. It's really hard not to judge when we feel judged. I'm gonna close with this scripture. And so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and every child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might an explosive power, then by constantly using your faith, please believe, use your faith, the life of Christ is released deep inside of you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measure 
that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God's love. Don't doubt it. Lord, fill us. Only you can enable us to receive. Even we cannot on our own receive your love. So we just ask for the Holy Spirit to empower us to receive, not so that we can sit and be full and complacent, but we want to receive so that we overflow. All right, guys, um, just want to read a quick scripture before I pray here, but I just want you guys to know that if there's anybody that knows oppression, and if, there any, if there's anybody that knows injustice, if there's anybody who is shut down for what he said and what he did, it's Jesus. If there's anybody who died an unjustly death, it's him. And in John chapter 17, he prays. He has this secret ingredient, this foresight that he knows he's about to die. And so he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he, he kneels down, I'm sure, and he's sweating and he's crying and he's hurting because he's human still. And if you read John chapter 17, the first 10% of the prayer, we know what it says, take this cup, but if it's your will that needs to be done, let thy will be done. And the rest of the prayer, the rest of the prayer, he prays for people. And I just want you to think about what that would be like with Jesus, knowing the death that is coming, to take the majority of his final prayer to pray for us. And let me just read you one sentence from this prayer. It wraps the entire thing up. It says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, and they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Wow. Heavenly Father, make us like you. Transform us. Renew us. Holy Spirit, breathe in this room. Let the breath of your life rise up in this room. We thank you that your word says where two or three are gathered, <laughs> you're in the midst. We thank you that your word says when we touch and agree, we could change the world. And so we touch and agree, we come together in faith and we lift up our brothers and sisters who are being oppressed. We lift up our brothers and sisters who have been treated unjustly we lift them up to you above ourselves right now. Humble our hearts that we would be able to pray and serve someone else. Lord, your word says that the greatest in the kingdom is the servant. Teach us how to serve. Teach us how to serve the opposite color. Teach us how to serve the oppressed. Every spirit of fear that says, I don't know how to serve that color, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Faith takes courage. And so, Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just dwell in us. Give us courage. 
that even if things are said about us, things were said about you too. <laughs> Help us to keep going, to press on. And Lord, your word says that you've given us the authority to trample on the, the wicked things, the demonic attacks. So right now we come together and we say, we rebuke the spirit of division. We rebuke the spirit of wickedness. We rebuke the spirit of, of division in this city, Lord, in this city in Castle Rock, in the city of Denver. We rebuke the spirit of oppression, the, the spirit of injustice, Lord. We just declare unity. We declare righteousness. We declare love, Father. We declare that your people would rise up and love, Father. We declare that your people would rise up and fight, Father. We declare, Lord, that your kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Castle Rock as it is in heaven, in Denver as it is in heaven, in the United States as it is in heaven, Lord. Let your will be done. We speak life into the people in this city, Lord. We speak truth into the life of these people, Lord. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be a, a building block in this city, Lord. We thank you that the churches, God, can be a vessel of your truth, a vessel of your love, Lord. So we just pray for the churches in this area, the churches in this state, Lord, that they would just buckle up their bootstraps and walk, Lord, in your purpose, Lord, that they would walk in your anointing. And we just thank you so much, Father, for the opportunity to just love on them, because that's what you've called us to do, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. Lord, change our minds, change our eyes. Lord, we give you permission. Oof, I feel it. We give you permission, Lord. We give you permission, Lord. Hallelujah. If it doesn't look like you, we don't want it. If it doesn't sound like you, we don't need it. God, we just lay down our tongues. Teach us how to speak gentle, even in anger. Teach us how to learn, Lord, about what's going on. Teach us how to care like you cared, King Jesus. And so, Father, we just give you the glory, Lord, tonight with our lives, with our lips. There's none like you. There's none before you. There's none above you. Thank you. We love you so much, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to sit with the holiness of this moment with the Lord because just praying about even praying, I just saw the Lord in the middle of the sanctuary, just in the middle of us, the fullness of who he is. So Lord, we just call you holy. We call you mighty. <laughs> Even in the middle of everything that we're going through, you are so worthy and I stand in awe of you. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you're working in this situation. All the good that you're working. We may not always see it right now in these moments, but you're working for good in everything. You never stop working. You never stop moving. 
You were around the corner of the situation before we ever got there. You saw it before it ever came. And I just want to highlight the humility of Jesus because I was just thinking this week as my somebody confronted me about something about white privilege and my immediate reaction was to get a little upset because I don't think I'm racist. I don't think I have any issues. And uh, so I was praying about it and I had some people, the Nisinks pray for me. And the Lord was like, well, obviously you still need a little bit more humility in your life. So um, I'm gonna read a scripture and then I'll pray out of that. Who among you is wise and intelligent let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness of humility of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant, and as a result, be in defiance of the truth. This is superficial wisdom. It is, is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing, and morally degrading practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous and gen considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness, spiritual maturity, is sown in peace by those who make peace, by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. So I'm not taking any sides on this at all, but I just, Lord, I ask for your grace to have more humility. All of us. I just mean everybody. Father, I ask that the body of Christ would be a... Uh, just a pattern of humility for the world that we would learn to honor one another in a way that we never have before. I'm amazed that in certain passages in the scripture, you actually talk about stooping down to make somebody else great. As the king of the universe, you con condescend yourself to make us great. And that's your pattern for us. That's who you are. So Lord, teach us to condescend and stoop down to make somebody else great. Abba, <laughs> Abba, we need all of you in this situation. We need all of you in this situation, God. And I pray that the church would be the leader in all of it, that we would have such a grasp like Angela prayed on your love. God, Pastor DJ prayed at Shine, the prayer meeting last Tuesday. He absolutely prayed that the spirit of adoption and the spirit of sonship would overtake Black Lives Matter <laughs> and everything surrounding that, God, because they do matter. And so we pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of adoption would overtake them and the spirit of sonship would overtake them. And that, Lord, this wouldn't be so much about a political issue, but about a human issue, Father. And Lord, in Jesus' name, you are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of the armies of heaven. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would fight the battle, the spiritual battle in the heavenlies, above these violent protests, above the protests that are not of you, that do not have your name stamped on it. Fight those battles, Lord. 
Elisha stood and he said, more are they who are for us than they who are against us. <laughs> so we say that in the name of Jesus by faith. And Lord, in that, would you pursue with your goodness and your mercy every single person involved in these peaceful protests, violent protests, whatever, pursue them with love and goodness and mercy. Cause them to see you. Cause the eyes of their heart to be open, God. Yeah. <laughs> and I pray as I've been praying, Lord, you know, would it bring forth a new Jesus people movement? Would there be such a tsunami of your presence, of your power, of your glory, of your mercy, of your goodness, of your kindness, of your love, that we would see people set on fire that have never known you before? And I mean that, Lord. You know I mean that. I'm asking with a single mind for that. God, that these protests would turn into protests that would cause your fame and your name and your glory and everything good about you to go forth so that we would all learn to honor each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, you came and... You humbled yourself. You did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But you humbled yourself and you took on the form of a man and made yourself a servant and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And even before you died, you knelt before your disciples and you treated them as kings and queens. You washed their feet. You, the king of the universe, And it tells us that knowing that the Father had put all things in your hand and that you are returning to the Father, it was from a place of having everything, all authority, having no, no fears for yourself, having complete assurance in your own identity. What was the first thing you did? You humbled yourself and you gave that away to somebody else. You washed others' feet, our feet, we who were powerless, we who were powerless before having been empowered by you. We who were nothing before having been exalted by you. You said, you're kings and queens in my book. I love you, I name you so. And whatever I say is. And you've given us the power to wash the feet of others and to lift them up and to give them honor and to put upon them the honor and the dignity and the, and the beauty that, that comes from you and how you see them. So let us walk with you, Jesus. God, open our hearts, open our minds. God, I pray for the families of those who are grieving in the immediate, God, George Floyd's family and others, God, who have died brutally or suddenly, God, at the hands of injustice and racism and whatever it might be, God. We pray for your comfort upon them. God, I pray for your leaders in the black church. God, that you would just encourage them, uplift them, give them the right words and the right tone and the right just guidance from you. And God, prepare our hearts so that this unity might not be something that we think about, write about, journal about, pray about only, but God, that it would be something that we see with our eyes and that our children and our children's children see, remember 2020 is the year that was the breakthrough, that was the beginning of something. 
that was impossible. But God said, it's not impossible for me. God bless your people. I pray you, God, speak and, and wrap your arms around every heart here, those watching. God, our brothers and sisters of color here in Castle Rock and in Denver, throughout this nation. Jesus, we look to you. Our hearts are full of expectation, full of hope, full of faith to see you do what only you can do, but we're with you. We say yes to you, in Jesus' name, amen.